Welcome to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring you weekly sermons that uplift your soul, strengthen your spirit, and praise the Lord. Whatever your reason for listening, we're grateful for you spending your time with us. May God open your heart to love and your ears to hear. Our gospel lesson comes from Luke chapter 24. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy, they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate in their presence. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Have you anything here to eat? This is the question we are hearing Jesus ask his disciples as he is making yet another resurrection appearance. They're gathered in a locked up room together. They're scared, they're shocked. They're trying to make sense of this news that they've heard. It's been the most tragic week of their lives, witnessing their friend and savior, Jesus Christ, be crucified and buried. They're sad. Now they're confused because some people in town say that they've seen him walking around. Could they dare to hope? The women say they've seen Jesus alive. He's rumored to have met with Peter, to have broken some bread on that road to Emmaus. 
but these disciples gathered here right now in our passage, they haven't seen Jesus yet. And they're so busy talking and yelling and arguing that they don't even notice when Jesus shows up right in their midst, right in the middle of their locked room. And we heard a similar story last week in John's gospel, particularly where Thomas touched Jesus where his wounds were. This week, we're hearing about a resurrection appearance from Luke's gospel. And here, in Luke's gospel, the disciples think that Jesus is a ghost. How else could he magically show up in the middle of their conversation? He didn't open the door or knock. He just appeared. Jesus says to them, peace be with you. They can't believe this is Jesus. They're scared and frightened, ready to run out the door. We would be too, right? Gathered with their friends, living in a culture of fear. They're afraid that they may be next to die. And then a ghost shows up in the middle of their locked room. You can hardly blame them for being afraid. Jesus says, why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look, look at my hands. Look at my feet. See, see, it's me. Touch me and see me. For a ghost, a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. He doesn't just tell them, he shows them. He offers up his hands and his feet and says, this is my body. It has been broken for you, and here it is for you after death. They are shocked, overjoyed, still living in disbelief, and yet maybe letting themselves hope for the first time in a long time. Maybe death isn't the end. At this point, they and we expect Jesus to offer some kind of profound insight, to explain how he was dead a few days ago and now he's alive, the truth about resurrection. They are so eager to hear him teach and preach again. So I just imagine that their ears are strained, ready to listen, to maybe take good notes. Maybe they'll be better disciples this time and really figure it out, anticipating the life-shattering news that he's going to share. And what does Jesus say to them? He says, have you anything here to eat? This isn't what they were expecting. Now, I do believe if Jesus had shown up to a group of Methodists, had appeared in a Sunday school classroom or a fellowship hall, he wouldn't have had to ask that question. Methodists always have something to eat. We know how to eat, right? From love feasts and barbecues, picnics and chili cook-offs, cookies at meetings and donuts on Sunday morning. I don't think it's just because Methodists are particularly hungry. I think it's because something happens when we sit down and eat together. We serve up heapings of love and laughter alongside our mashed potatoes and our green beans. Pimento cheese sandwiches have a way of softening hearts. Grace gets sliced up with apple pie. We all long for that day when we can freely eat together again. It's been a long year of not having those kind of fellowship meals and small groups and larger ones. We're getting there, folks, and what a celebration that will be. I believe Jesus was really hungry. After all, we know he was in a body, and it had been quite a day, quite a week, quite a life. But perhaps he also knew the power of a shared meal to break down barriers, to serve up love, love in the form of fish and bread, 
this outward invisible sign that this is his body. He's no ghost. He's in the flesh, word made flesh. The same Jesus now eating and drinking in their very present, saying between bites, this is my body. It is broken and risen for you. Resurrection is real. Now, if Jesus had appeared to my grandmother, I'm fortunate that I had two Southern grandmothers, um, but I'm thinking particularly about my dad's mom. She would have offered him food the moment he arrived in that room before he would have asked, before he even had a chance to speak or sit down, she would have said, can I offer you something to eat? Maybe hospitality was in her nature. Maybe it came from years of being a preacher's kid and then a preacher's wife, bless her heart. <laughs> but my grandmother always offered love through food. Even near the very end of her life when she had little use of her arms, when she wasn't speaking much, when it was actually hard to feed her. When you came to visit her in her room, she would say, are you hungry? Can I fix you something to eat? That was in her nature when someone was in her presence. When I was 15 years old, I was hospitalized for a week for an illness, and then I needed to recover for a long time at home, away from school for several months. It was a difficult and scary time though. Um, I fully recovered, which I'm grateful for. But during my hospitalization and then after my grandparents came from Georgia to Texas where we lived and they helped to take care of me while I was at home. And when I got home from the hospital, um, my appetite finally returned. I hadn't eaten very much for a while. My grandmother said, can I fix you something to eat? And she offered to make me anything I wanted. I requested her macaroni and cheese, comfort food, warm, bubbly macaroni, cheese, crusty on top. I can still remember and smell and taste that meal made all those years ago with so much love. I ate that macaroni and cheese for a week and with each bite I felt more loved and received more healing. So today when I think of mac and cheese, when I give it to Sam, my four-year-old, more often than I'd like to admit, it's not just that I really love the food. I do, but it holds this particular memory for me and a time when I felt loved and taken care of in a vulnerable state. I was tired and I was weak and my grandmother cared for me exactly where I was through sharing food. To this day, mac and cheese is my ultimate comfort food. There's such pleasure in receiving food. We can all think of times, right? When someone brought us a meal, when we came home from the hospital, or lovingly cooked us a five course dinner for our anniversary. But just as there's great pleasure in receiving, there's also great pleasure in giving, serving up a plate for somebody else. And I think that this is what Jesus knew in this moment throughout his life, but here particularly, in the exchange of the giving and the receiving of that food and sharing a meal, we share our gifts and our love with each other. In the giving and in the receiving, and the tending to one another's bodies, we share in hospitality. Jesus says, have you anything here to eat? And in fixing him some fish, the disciples have a reminder that this is their very savior. And in his presence and the sharing of the meal, they feel at home. 
When we think of hospitality today, we tend to think of inviting our friends over for a dinner party, maybe the hospitality industry. I heard a Bible study this week from a Catholic priest. He was talking about Genesis and the story of the strangers visiting Abraham, who turned out were actually angels. His larger point, though, I think is relevant for us today and for, their, for this text. He says that true biblical hospitality is about caring for the stranger. It's about offering food and grace and a home and time and presence and love for those that we don't yet know. And in the context of the Easter season and this passage where Jesus shows the disciples his body in the flesh, where they feed him, caring for his body and thereby his spirit and soul, I would add that caring for strangers is very much about tending to their bodies. Bodies matter to Jesus. Bodies matter to God. After all, we worship a God who came to earth in a body and the person of Jesus. Our fancy theological word for that is incarnation. God came in the flesh. Jesus, us, Jesus teaches us to care about flesh, our own flesh, your body's a temple after all, the flesh of your neighbor. And who's your neighbor? Not just the people we know, the people who might like us or be like us, but everybody. When we give water to the thirsty, food to the hungry, clothed to the naked, when we visit those who are in prison, we are giving water and food and clothing. We are visiting Jesus himself, Jesus tells us in Matthew. So in response to this good news of resurrection, the resurrection of the body of our Savior, we are called as Christians to go out and to offer hospitality to bodies in our world. And by doing that, we offer hospitality to Jesus himself. When children are hungry, we figure out how to offer food. When black people are killed by the police in a week when Derek Chauvin is on trial and Dante Wright was shot and killed unarmed, we mourn with God. We figure out what our role is in letting justice roll down. When there's a school shooting in Knoxville, we say, how long, O oh Lord? How can we be part of a culture of life, life for all bodies instead of death? We ask ourselves what bodies matter to our society and to us and which ones don't. And we follow Jesus. We follow Jesus. Not because we're good people who care about helping, though I believe we are. But because when we care for bodies in the world, especially those who are strangers to us or on the margins, we are offering care to Jesus and we are offering hospitality to God. Knowing that because of incarnation, nourishment for the soul and the body, they're not separate at all. The story ends with Jesus commissioning his disciples to go out to proclaim in his name repentance and forgiveness of sins. You are witnesses to this great truth, he tells them. Don't keep it to yourselves. This small group of disciples, they're the same ones who would go on to start that earliest church that we read about in the book of Acts. Jesus is saying, now that we've eaten together, now that you've cared for my body and I've cared for yours, you got to go out of here and you got to feed the world with truth and love and the good news of my kingdom come. And also, 
some bread, some wine, some fish. And that's our continual call as the church today. Because what we do as the church is we celebrate and we practice for that ultimate home that we have for eternity. That place where mourning and pain and tears will be no more. Where Jesus invites us to feast at that heavenly banquet table. We can be confident that that's where the great saints gone on to the church triumphant or gathered right now, feasting with Jesus in spirit with us this very day. And we prepare for that day when we will join them, when all of us will feast together at a table where all bodies are welcome and free and fed and safe. This morning, Jesus is asking us, have you anything here to eat? Our answer, friends, nourished by the hope of resurrection, by love for one another and the world, is a triumphant yes. <laughs> because of amazing grace, we are fed abundant and eternal life. So let us go out of here sharing it with all that we meet. Thanks be to God. Amen. When we listening to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church podcast. We hope that you have found our podcast helpful and hope to be in ministry not only to you, but with you. For more information about Sandy Springs United Methodist Church, please visit www.ssumc.org. Until next time, may God bless you.